Hello, America. I'm Scott Helmer. Want to bring my concert tour? Live radio show to your town. It's time for the Scott Helmer Show. Scott Helmer Show. Want me to speak at your next event to inspire and motivate your audience? Had bad things happen to you in your life, or if you've made mistakes, you can make a comeback. And I am living proof. In 2008, I made mistakes, lost everything, faced going to prison, and was one second away from committing suicide. But I put the gun down, decided to never give up, and use my story as a warning to others and to make a difference. Since that time, my concerts have helped raise over $2 million for good causes across America like veterans, first responders, active duty military and their families, food banks, suicide prevention, special needs children and adults, equine and pet rescues, historic theaters, and more. are back. Scott Helmer broadcasting live on a Monday night. So glad you guys are along for the ride. Tweet to me during the show at Scott Helmer. Send me an email, scott at scotthelmer.com or jump in to the Spreaker chat room. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to have tonight's guest here with us once again. He holds a PhD in physics and math from North Carolina State University, has been a university professor, businessman, and applied physicist. He has had a lifelong interest in religion and its effects on history and has studied the source texts of the major religions for decades. Even before the destruction of the World Trade Center, he had predicted the war between Islam and America. The day after 9-11, he decided to make the source texts of Islam available for the average person. He has produced a dozen books, including a Quran, a biography of Muhammad, and a summary of the political traditions of Muhammad. He has also developed the first self-study course on political Islam and gives talks nationally and internationally about Islamic political doctrine. With that, I am pleased to welcome Dr. Bill Warner back to the Scott Helmer Show. Dr. Warner, welcome, and thanks for being here tonight. Well, I'm glad to be here. As you know, you promised me that we could talk about my favorite subject, political Islam. I know, and it's amazing how it came back on the radar here. I was thinking it was going to go away, but that is not the case. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Un- boy. Unfortunately, boy. Unfortunately, I wish we could talk all about the uh, total solar eclipse and have that on our minds. As you know, political Islam takes precedence in the seriousness of what's going on. The world is just erupting and unraveling at a just incredible pace. You were here a month and a half ago, and just in that time, we've had nonstop, activity barcelona we've had protests here in america we've had the attacks going on it just keeps going on and on i want to let you take the reins here and let my listeners know since we've last spoke over the last month or so what do we need to be looking at now everything's coming to fruition everything you've been researching and telling the world about for a couple decades is all playing out in real time right in front of our eyes what's on your radar now what do we need to be looking at well, the reason I'm a prophet is is I've studied history, and I've studied the doctrine that drives history. After 9-11, people said to me, says, Bill, how did you know something was going to happen? Because I'd said to my friends, we're going to get whacked. 
I said, well, it's pretty easy. I just read the playbook. And so if you read the playbook, you can see what is going to happen in the future, and what's going to happen in the future is what's happened in the past. But it really breaks my heart to see that we have people who do not want to read the playbook. I mean, right now, for instance, there's a stink about uh, General McMaster being head of some form of security for the White House. And although I'm sure he's a fine warrior, he's never given us a single sentence which said that he understood that Islam is a political doctrine that involves itself in civilizational war. And that is what we're involved in here is a civilizational war. If it were just a conventional war with bombs and bullets, we'd win easy. I mean, no man can, no, it's very difficult to stand against us if we decide to go to war with kinetic war. But unfortunately, we're involved in a war that's much more subtle than that. It's a civilizational war, and it's one in which things are being done where, here's, here's an example. Who thought that PayPal would ever come in on the side of political Islam, and yet they've done so by saying they're going to shut down people such as uh, Robert Spencer, simply because they don't like his politics? Well, this is a form of civilizational war. So that's what we're involved in. We're involved in a war between two societies. Our society is based on the ideals of the golden rule, a unitary ethic in which all people are treated the same, and then an intellectual ideal of critical thought. But we're seeing that critical thought is being flushed out of the system because right now it's just become screaming thought and authoritarian thought. People are trying to drive thought not by reason, but by putting out the biggest possible stink on the street and then saying, see, we're right because we bloodied more heads. This has a bad ending, by the way. Dr. Warner, I'm interested in knowing you brought up some great points there. I want to talk about McMaster's. I want to talk about PayPal. But let's go back to when you mentioned you were sounding the alarm and telling people, hey, I'm just reading the playbook. This is what's going to happen here. When you are sounding the alarm now, I know you and I both agree there is an awakening. People are starting to pay attention to some degree. What that degree is, I don't know. But when you are sounding the alarm still to this day, are you met in your mind with the same tone deafness that you were decades ago when you were talking about this? I have a question for you, Scott. <clears throat> Why is there a limit to intelligence but no limit to stupidity? Can you tell me that? Oh, that, that'll, that'll require some deep thought. <laughs> and have you ever noticed this in life? Absolutely. But anyway, it seems like the more we do it wrong, the more we insist we just need to do it wrong faster and harder, and it'll work better. But the reason I was able to read, tell what was going to happen on 9-11, and just giving this as an example, was that I've read the Quran, I've read the life of Muhammad, and I've read the history of jihad. So when Osama bin Laden, this is giving you my inside information here, when Osama bin Laden back in 2001 called America to Islam, I said, ooh, that is a very bad sign, because I knew that Muhammad called his people to Islam before he attacked them. And his favorite time of attack was a sneak attack in the morning, and he preferred to try attack trade and commerce. What was the name of the buildings taken down on 9-11? The World Trade Buildings. So it isn't that I predicted it would happen on 9-11, and nor can I predict the exact date of the next one, but I can predict this. Our civilization is beginning to put its weight on its heels instead of its toes. I don't know if you ever studied martial arts, but when your enemy goes back on his heels, that's when you attack twice as hard. And that's what we're seeing now with all the jihad in Europe, because the more they attack, the softer Europe gets. The problem is not that Islam is so strong, but we are so ignorant, willfully ignorant, so unorganized, and so afraid. We are the problem. Islam is not the problem. And that's what drives me nuts. It's like 
we have a fight going, and the one Islam steps into the ring, and they will do anything to win. We step into the ring, and we'll do anything to be nice. Because we want to tie. We don't want to win because, after all, multiculturalism says all cultures are the same, and so therefore we wouldn't want to beat Islam. We want to accommodate Islam. The accommodation process is going on now, and we're accommodating them faster and faster. And they are not looking to accommodate at all, correct? Correct. I mean, once again, <laughs> did Muhammad attack half of his neighbors? No, he attacked all of his neighbors. How frequently did he attack his neighbors? He attacked them all until he defeated them. Now, if you want to study Islam, forget the Quran. Study Muhammad. And I've just told you when this war will be over. As Muhammad said jihad will be over when the last kafir submits to Islam. Those are not the words he used, but that's, that's what he meant. So therefore, I can predict there will be no peace until we have, until we're either defeated or we defeat them. And right now, to think that we would defeat them, why, for me to even speak of the fact that we could defeat Islam puts me on the side of a racer-hated, bigot Islamophobe. Because, after all, why should we want to defeat one of the world's great religions? Well, I'm not interested in the religion. I'm interested in its political system. I don't give a flip about the religion of Islam, but I care desperately about its politics. When I discuss politics, then I'm a racist. That's exactly what they say to you, right? As soon as you throw that in, you're a racist, you're an Islamophobe, right? Oh, they've got a new one now, though. I'm now a nationalist. I'm a civilizationalist. I'm for the civilization based on the golden rule and critical thought. I oppose the civilization based on dualistic ethics, where a man is treated according to what group he belongs to, and authoritative thought, where all the answers are looked up in a book. So you would think that standing for critical thought would be like, yeah, I'm good with him, but no. The interesting thing we have to look at, because we're talking words, and it's very important, there's the term being thrown out now that's called alt-Muslim, right? They just came up with that one a couple days ago, radical Islam. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let that one sink in for a moment. Alt-Muslim are now the radicalized, uh, radical Islamists. But in reality, I don't think there's a, re there's a need to call them radical Islam. It's just Islam. There's no need for the radical portion. It already is radicalized, correct? drives me nuts when they keep trying to... You'd think we're dealing with an advertising firm instead of serious people. Dr. Warner, that might be name. the most profound thing you have ever said on this show. We are exactly dealing with an advertising firm, mainstream media and all the likes. That was, that was brilliant. Gosh, didn't even try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the fact is, if we're going to use names, why not use the names that are found within Islamic doctrine? And here's the deal. There is no radical Islam because there's no radical Quran, there's no radical Hadith, there's no radical Muhammad. There's simply Muhammad. There's no moderate Islam. It's just Islam. Now, Islam contains three books, the doctrine of Islam, the Hadith, which are the traditions of Muhammad, there are the Quran, and the Sirah, which is the life of Muhammad. If we're going to use a name, let us use the name that comes from those works. And we have perfectly good names. Jihadist is a perfectly good name. It's not a dirty word. It's the word used by Allah. It's the word used by Muhammad. So I call them jihadist. And all the other names that I use come from the doctrine of Islam. We don't need to make up names. We need to read the books and use the names they call themselves, what Muhammad called himself. For instance, I use the word kafir. Why do I use the word kafir? Because that's the actual word in the Quran. I choose not to use infidel because I want to use a word that has a meaning which will cause people to think. I'm a kafir. So let's let our names come not from the advertising agency. Let's them come from the doctrine of Islam. So 
we talked McMasters. We talked uh, PayPal. I had a guest on last night who was part of of educating the FBI and the military early in the 2000s after September 11th. He was with the FBI and he has studied is John. Uh, yeah, John Guandolo from Understanding the Threat. Are you familiar He's with him? Great man. Absolutely. Great man. Yeah, and you know we're basically just continuing the conversation we had night uh, last night with you here tonight. And one of the things I wanted to point out, and I asked him. I said, you know, you come to the table with this information and you're telling the leaders of the people that are supposed to be protecting America and you would think they would embrace it. But as he said, they threw it out the window and they don't teach it anymore. They don't educate anybody within the FBI mm. or the military, which leads to what you're talking about with our, our, uh, our leaders now. I asked him the same question. I'm wondering what your gut feeling is. Do these guys really just not know this? Or are they part of a master plan to let these folks come in and destroy America? What does your gut tell you? My gut tells me because I have the information, both from inside the FBI and dealing with uh, people who are from FBI who appear in public, is they really don't know. There was at Vanderbilt University, a, a FBI terrorist expert came to speak. They were being hosted by the Muslim Student Association. So that gives you an idea what the slant of the talk was going to be. Well, there's another former FBI agent there who is a, I'm going to say, a student of mine. And he began to ask this woman questions, and he said to her, he says, give me a direct answer. Have you read the Hadith? Well, no. Have you ever read all of the Quran? Well, I have an imam explain some verses to me. He says, so you've never read the Quran, you've never read the Hadith, you don't know the Sarah of Muhammad. So he says, why are you here speaking to us? So he went straight to the point. Look, if I'm going to study Russian literature, would I not be keen to study the Russian language so I could read it in its original meaning? It's the same with Islam. You don't need to study Arabic, but you do need to study Muhammad. You do need to study Allah. Because once you study Allah and Muhammad, you know everything there is to know. So it just breaks my heart to see that people who are, quote, experts, FBI terrorism experts, have never read the doctrine of Islam. They don't know Sharia from Shinola. Bill, it has to be promising when somebody within the agency is now, uh, you know, awake to what's really going on and what the real objectives of Islam are, and they call somebody out out in, you know, in a setting like that. That has to start somewhat of a brush fire within the agency of the people who are in that room and said, "Hey, I need to maybe find out what he's talking about here." Right? There is some promise there. Actually, there's no promise. The rest, the uh, only two FBI agents in the room. The rest were students. And it was the former FBI agent who was a student of mine and another FBI agent who was a, quote, terrorism expert who doesn't know anything about Islam. Now, she may all know all about terrorism. By the way, that's one of the misnomers. Terror is a tactic. Jihad is a systemic war doctrine. And yet we have people like McMaster. And McMaster, I'm not picking on him, Stanley McStanley McChrystal, who was in the, uh, Afghanistan. I read an entire strategic analysis he did. The words which did not appear were Islam jihad, and Muslim. Nowhere in a doctrine. Laying out a doctrine for fighting the war in Afghanistan, those three words do not occur. Well, I don't need to know anything else because I know it's not going to work. If you do not know the nature of the enemy, how can you draw strategic plans up? And we don't know the nature of the enemy, and yet the enemy's nature is shown clearly in its history and clone surely in the Quran, the Sarah, and the Hadith. See, that's what drives me so nuts, Scott. It ain't that hard. All of this work has been made easy. And yet people refuse to pick it up. They pass by on the other side of the road and they avert their gaze. And then come election time or appointment time, they go, see, I'm an expert. Reelect me.
Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight is Dr. Bill Warner. The website is Political Islam. Go to politicalislam.com and get connected. Dr. Warner, I want to find out as you're doing your work and more and more people are sharing these links and posting on social media and spreading the work that you're doing, the work John Guandolo is doing and everybody else out there, I want to know if you're seeing any kind of movement forward to help defeat this or if it's going back downhill. But before we do that, you know, we talked with John last night about the riots and the protests that are going on. And as he pointed out, Black Lives Matter, uh, Antifa, the LGBT um, community, all these groups, all these protesters, and we could go on and on with the list, are all backed and funded and put together and propped up by Soros and the global Islamic movement, the Muslim Brotherhood. And I made the comment, you know, if the police officers that are on the ground helping to push these folks back and defeat them when they're protesting really knew where these groups are funded from, I would have to think they would feel so empowered to go after them and the detectives and the investigators to shut them down. But as you point out, they really don't know and nobody is doing anything to try to help them directly learn this information except you except john how frustrating is that and how can that change well it's very frustrating although i've now adopted the attitude of a long distance runner i don't look left i don't look right i deal with only only one issue political islam and i just kind of like do my drill and because if i think too much about what's going on about how i'm what progress i'm not making i would become extremely depressed right and let me say something here Depression is the worst thing that a warrior can experience because the more important than your Kevlar is your morale. And so I maintain my morale by just sort of setting things. I have a, I have a strategic plan, and I grind away at it every day, not based on what the current events are, but a longer strategic vision. Because if I just look at everything every day, whoo, you get depressed. So what are you seeing positive as you go along and you're that long-distance marathon runner and you check your progress from time to time as you're moving down the road? Are you seeing any positive signs along the way? Well, I'll tell you the most positive sign. This is going to sound weird. The most positive sign is, is that the giants, masters of the universe in Silicon Valley are now saying, you know, there was a war going on on the Internet. And these, the conservatives and those who know about Islam are winning the war, so therefore we're going to start booting them off of YouTube. We're going to start shadow banned. I've been shadow banned on Twitter because we're doing too well. Right after 9-11, there were three kinds of people who went to come on, make comments on the web. They were the people who knew something. We'll call them the knowers. Then there was the left, and then there were the Muslims. And they came on in about equal quantities. But now then, if you go on to an article that's written about Islam, that's critical about Islam, you discover that the Muslims rarely show up and the left just comes on to say all religions are bad. That is, at the grassroots level in the comments section on web material, we were winning. So therefore, they look and they go, whoa, we're going to have to artificially uh, deal with the number of views you're getting on YouTube, you throw you off of YouTube or start throttling your views. So we're, we are winning to the degree now where they're trying to redefine the war so that the web is no longer an, a value-neutral system of communication. It's now becoming more and more biased by those who own the web towards the, quote, liberals and progressives, translation, Antifa, and the rest of them. 
I saw a uh, tweet today that I shared. I didn't even know this was happening. It happened a couple days ago, and somebody started a White House petition to classify Antifa as a terrorist organization. And with those WhiteHouse.gov petitions, you have to get 100,000 signatures within 30 days, and that prompts an official response from the White House. That petition has over 200,000 signatures right now, so they're well over really? the mark. Yeah, that's incredible. And I put uh, down one. So that that's what I'm saying. When I'm looking at some hope, and I know we can't look at, you know, a lot of times you're not looking at specific details, but boy, that, I just know that like in the last couple months, maybe 30 days, there's been a groundswell of people because of social media identifying who is behind Antifa, who is funding them, who is propping them up. And within 30 or 60 days, we start to see folks start a petition and hundreds of thousands of people are signing it. I think that's progress. What I wanted to ask you for people no, that, that are, is, yeah, for, for people that are, well, I, let's talk about that for a moment. As you see, that's unprecedented and that has never happened before. And that will force the white house to come out and acknowledge it. How do you think that'll play out? Do you have a feeling? You know, I simply don't know. Uh, when, my, when the election was over, my daughter said to me, says, who did you vote for? I says, I have not voted for a candidate in so long, I don't remember it. I said, I vote, my voting process usually consists of voting against. So although at one leg could be said I voted for Trump, I was voting against Hillary. I find Trump has a lot of good attributes, but I'm not sure about his follow-through on what he intends to do. He's not turning out to be the manager I think he was, I was hoping he was. But having said that, I would hope that a petition like this would give him reason and cause to do the right thing, and which is, my wife, for instance, has interviewed Antifa people, and the ones here in Nashville, Tennessee, are well-meaning people, and they, and, and by the way, when I was young, they gave me this expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and I thought, well, that doesn't sound quite right. Well, it was righter than I understood at the time. Everyone out there, the ones, uh, even George Soros, if he has a soul, uh, believes that he's doing good works. So that drives everybody. But I would hope that Trump would also see that now is a time that the voting public cares and that to deal with this, you know, if nothing else, even if you ban them, at least do some investigation because there's criminal activities going on here and, and shouldn't law enforcement be allowed to do the, deal with it. You know, I'm interested in knowing, we're talking Trump for a moment, how, and I, you've had to have thought about this, how does a person like you get in front of him, get an audience with his, him and his team uh, to be able to brief him <laughs> on what is really going on? How do we make that happen? Oh, that's my fantasy dream right there. <laughs> there was a brief window of time, and it lasted uh, about a day in which it might be that I was going to get to brief some in Trump's cabinet. That did not happen. Uh, I, I, the best that happened so far is a candidate for the Democratic uh, Democratic, a candidate for the next governor has contacted me and wants a briefing on Islam, political Islam. So we do see things like that. But no, if, again, I go back to the, the reason we're losing is not because Islam is so strong, but they're, they've, look, they've studied us. Here's an example. Back in the early days, there used to be what they call um, interfaith gatherings. And they still have them, but not so many anymore. So my wife went to the very first interfaith gathering, no, the second one in Nashville, Tennessee. And in those days, you could ask questions from the floor. They no longer will let you do that because they discovered people ask some bad questions. So they have to fill out a card, and they'll hand it in. If they want to ask the question, they will. 
So my wife says to the Baptist minister, says, Sir, have you read the Quran? Well, no, I have not. She said to the rabbi, said, Sir, have you read the Quran? No, I have not. Then she asked the imam, says, Sir, have you read the Old Testament? Oh, yes, I've had several courses on the Old Testament. Have you read the New Testament? Yes, I have. I've had several courses on the New Testament. Now, who came prepared? Only one man did his homework. And guess what? Can you believe it? When the event was over, any neutral party sitting there would say, gosh, the Muslim guy came off much better than the Jew and the Christian. Absolutely. Why? He did his homework. Yep, absolutely. I'm interested in knowing, you know, your work is really gaining momentum recently. Obviously, you've been on our friend John B. Wells' show, Caravan to Midnight. You're all over the place. You have incredible videos, and I'm encouraging everybody to go to politicalislam.com. And you mentioned the governor perhaps will uh, have a, a briefing from you. So that's a first step to get you to the White House and tell the president what's really going on out there. I have to think, and, and I, I echo your sentiments, I want him to be the guy, I want him to be the outsider, but I think there is so much stacked against him and so many subversive people that have access to him that don't want him to follow through on this work. But hopefully, everybody moving forward, continuing the fight, we will get there and, uh, you know, obviously we hope that will happen. Have you been approached or what would be the tactic to get you on a guy like Tucker Carlson's show, Sean Hannity's show? Have you been approached or turned down by those shows to be a, a correspondent on the, uh, on the Magic Box on TV? Well, I earlier said something about working with an advertising agency. They were generating the names. I must confess that I've now gotten a PR agency because my daughter has said to me, says, Dad... You are the world's worst self-promoter. She <laughs> says, you're just incredibly bad at it. Just terrible. Don't sugarcoat it so for you, right? Just, right, right. So anyway, so I finally decided, you know, I've been told I need professional help, so I want to get some <laughs> professional help. <laughs> so I'm dealing with a company who took a look at what I'd done, and they went, oh, my word, with all of this, we can get you on national, on national media. So right. we'll see if they're telling me the truth, or they just saw my checkbook had some money in it. Oh, no, I'm telling you, and I, I have spread the word so often since you've been on my show, you are the most articulate, well-researched, and an informed person on this matter, hands down. I mean, if we, we were talking martial arts off the air, if we were to put you and John Guandolo in a cage and let you guys duke it out on your knowledge, it would be incredible to see because there's very few people. Uh, John, yourself included, that have really put the time in, and we're talking decades to research the facts and look at history for what's really going on. And as you said, it's got to be depressing sometimes to wake up year after year and go, people are not seeing this. They're not hearing it. How do you keep going? How do you stay motivated? Well, this is going to sound a little odd. I was raised very poor in a religious family. I was raised without running water, electricity, telephone, car, the whole business, a father. I went off to school, was valedictorian in my high school class, went off to college, graduated magna cum laude, then got a Ph.D., then married a wonderful woman, had kids, grandkids, but I never felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was sort of the American success story, but it was like it was hollow to me. Then when I saw the second plane hit the second tower, I stood up and I said, Islam is here, jihad is here. And in that moment, I realized why that I was who I was, and that is to do what I do. It sound, may sound like a funny thing to say, but I'm sort of living my dream. Um, I was sort of born for this. I don't know how else to explain it. I work an 11-hour day, not so much now at 76. I tend to work about a nine-hour day. I actually take a day off on the weekend. I used to work 
half a day at, at least on Sunday. So I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know how that may sound a little woo-woo to you, but I'm not doing a, what I'm supposed to be doing. Not at all. And we thank God you're here doing that. I want to ask you for people that are listening tonight, when they want to share these topics in your work and the things we're talking about both tonight and the things that are in your book or your videos at politicalislam.com, when they start talking to friends and neighbors and family members about this, most of the time who will be hearing it for the first time, the dangers that we're presenting and the things we're giving them to think about, they're going to get backlash immediately. They're going to get the same things you and I get. You're a racist. You're an Islamophobe and all the other labels they put on it. Give some people some very simple marching orders to tell their friends, family, and neighbors, because if they throw it all at them, it's just sensory overload, and, and you know their heads will explode, as we often say, and as you've said here tonight, I think, as well. What are some simple things they can tell the people within their communities, in their network of friends, about what the dangers are, and what kind of ammunition can you give them when they get the backlash on those talking points? You need to have two things that you discuss with people that are just being broken into the subject. One is, let's start with the victims. The most persecuted group in the world is not, contrary to what you may have been told, the members of Black Lives Matter. The most persecuted group in the world are Christians in Islamic lands. This is simply a statistical fact. You can be an atheist, but that doesn't mean that you need to tolerate Christian women being beaten and raped. That doesn't mean you, you like the fact that a Christian, apost- that a Christian who is accused of, of uh, blasphemy in Pakistan is going to be stoned to death. So talk about the victims of Islam. There's been 270 million people killed under jihad in 1,400 years. 60 million Christians, 80 million Hindus, 10 million Buddhists, and 120 million Africans. So, oh, by the way, if, you, if the person you're talking to is black, explain to them the true roots of slavery, which are not the evil white, white man on the wooden ship, but instead the, the Islamic slave dealer who sold them to him. So there's history there either the history of the slave. By the way, it's astounding to me how little, how little people understand that it was Islam who rounded up the Africans and killed those who, wouldn't, who resisted to sell them as slaves. They're but definitely not teaching that to the kids in school, are they? No, and I taught for eight years. This racist taught for eight years at a black university. And I can tell you that the only theory of, of slavery at this school was the evil white man on the wooden ship on the west coast of Africa. Actually, if you want to talk about slavery and they're white, you can talk about the fact that over a million to two million Europeans were taken into slavery. The word slave is derived from the word Slav, S-L-A-V, which was a European tribal group. The other thing you want to talk to is instead of talking to them about Islam, I find that people get, they figure Islam is going to be hard to understand. Skip Islam. Instead, talk about Muhammad. Because Muhammad is the better part of Islam anyway. Just a statistic, if you t- t- take the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith, and count all the words in them, the Quran only has 14% of the verbiage. Muhammad gets 86% of the verbiage. So talk to him about Muhammad. Talk to him about Muhammad, how he treated Christians, how he treated Jews, how he treated pagans. Because when you're dealing with a man, look, you may not be able to understand Islam, or think you can't, but you know you can understand a man. All right? So stay with Muhammad, stay with the history of the persecuted church, and stay with the true roots of slavery. Those are some things in which people can listen to, understand, and they're not, you won't get as much pushback. Before we go tonight, 
You have your eyes on what's happening all around the globe in relation to the attacks. You know, we were talking uh, earlier tonight about the Barcelona attack that just happened. I want you to remind people, you've been looking at this for decades now. You have your hand on the pulse. You can see what's happening around the globe in real time, the attacks that are happening. Those are coming here. Remind people of what you're seeing now around the globe. And if we do nothing, if we stand down, go back to sleep, get ready for football season and all the other things that are getting ready to happen this fall, and just go back to sleep, what are we going to see here in America sooner than later? Let me tell you a little story that didn't make the news anywhere. I have an organization in Europe. Actually, I have more organization in Europe than I do America. It's called Center for the Study of Political Islam International. So I get information from the ground, from, from Central Europe, Poland, Germany, Austria, Slovakia, Czech Republic. So this is a little story which you haven't read anywhere. There are, are immigration resistance parties called freedom parties. There's one in um, the Netherlands. There's one in Austria. There's one in Poland. And there's one in Germany. The member of the party is called AFD, Alternative for Deutschland. At 2 o'clock in the morning, the police arrive. At, this guy is just a political party member and one of the leaders. Arrive in the middle of the night, put a pistol to the nape of his neck, and march him out into the street and take him away. They made a huge rush, uh, ruckus about it so that everyone knew he's now going to have to move. He was terrorized for the simple reason of belonging to an opposition party. Do you understand what I've just told you? The, the this pe- is, this the people is using that are- the police to terrorize citizens. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. I, the people that are hearing this, I want you to rewind this if necessary or listen to what Dr. Warner is saying. He's laying it out looking at what's happening in history, even if it's only days or hours ago. It's happening. It's coming here. And do not think that it cannot happen in America. What I want to leave with, yeah, no, I mean, that's what we talk about all the time, and we, we see examples of it here and there, and it's quickening. It must be stopped. People often say it's too late for the U.K., it's too late for London. Oh, it's, it's not, never too late to win. Yeah, no, I had, and I agree with you. I want to remind people that I think in the last two years I saw a factoid that vans and box trucks have been used no less than 12 times in two years for attacks. But if people are, I was I was mentioning that to somebody at the coffee shop the other day, and they said, I thought there was only one or two of those attacks that have happened. There haven't been a dozen. Yeah. I'm sure that's right. Yeah. And it's amazing. We Our attention spans are really like goldfish. People just forget about it and go back to life, right? This is true. But you understand why we ought to, the logical conclusion, since they're using vans, is that we just simply need to outlaw vans. <laughs> right, right. And tires. And tires. Oh, and knives. Right. Kitchen knives. It's, it's incredible to me. Dr. Warner, before we go tonight, remind everybody when they go to politicalislam.com, that's politicalislam.com, what are they going to find there and what kind of resources do you have available and how can they support your work? Well, if you want to just be amused, go to YouTube or my website and just watch my videos. But if you'd like to get down and do some serious work, I'm the only guy who offers trainings, self-study courses, and I've got one called The Foundations of Islam. If you buy the Foundations of Islam and then one little thin book called Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, you will know more about Islam than any man you'll meet on the street, including most, as a matter of fact, 95% of all Muslims. So I would encourage you to study about political Islam. It has been made very easy. 
for instance, my book on the life of Muhammad, I gave when I got through it to a 12-year-old child. I paid her 20 bucks to read the book and then ask her questions. She passed the test. A 12-year-old child, now she was highly intelligent, but come on, gang. <laughs> that means a high school student can understand this material, and you can too. And by the way, once you enter and start studying it, you enter a new world in which everything is upside down and everything has two meanings. It's like reading science fiction. Bill, we hope your PR firm does their job and we see you on Fox News sooner than later. We're going to help fan the flames and we hope that home study course gets sent to the White House. How can we make that happen? Have we tried oh, yes. that yet? Actually, we have. <laughs> Were you able to quiz them or test them like the 12-year-old girl? No, 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 no. For all I know, it went into the. For all I know, it went into a, a large dumpster. But at least we tried. Maybe we need to put a sticker on the front of that home study course. So simple, even a twelve-year-old can understand it. That might be good. Actually, it would be. <laughs> and I'm really serious when I say once you decide you're going to learn something about this, the material is fascinating. It really is like science fiction. And you realize the lies you are being told on a daily basis from mainstream uh, media, correct? Uh, and the worst lie is the thing you're not told about at all. You know, I have to ask you this before we go tonight. When you see, and it kind of applies to the government as well, um, we, we've kind of determined here tonight and last night when John Guandola was here, it's more so a case, we think, with the, with the people in government. They are patriots. They're just uninformed. They don't know what they don't know. Do you think it's the same in mainstream media? I don't think it is. I think they carry the water for this agenda. What is your gut tell no. No, no, no. I think McMaster cares more about Islam, even though he has remained ignorant about it. I think he's capable of being a better student. The media, I had a friend whose, wife, whose daughter went off to journalism school, and they, they, turn out, they don't turn out reporters. As a matter of fact, they don't even encourage reporting. They tell them, look, you're here to change the world, and you know how it should be done. Oppress those who are evil and give a lot of space to those who are good. So that's not even the concept of reporting. It's bias. Strictly bias. It's a it's, it's a propaganda. Yeah, it's a propaganda. It's PR in its own right. There, Dr. Bill Warner, you are a true American hero. I said it last time. I'm saying it again. You have an open invitation to come back anytime, and uh, we will keep spreading the word and doing the work as long as you do as well. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate what you do. Throw that right back at you, Dr. Warner. Hang on there. I'll say goodbye to you after the break. There we go, folks. That's why we are on the air. That's why the Scott Helmer Show is broadcasting as we speak. Dr. Bill Warner, Political Islam, politicalislam.com is the website. Go there now.